and welcome to a brand new episode of the David and Ronald Show. Hi, Ronald. How are you? I'm not too bad. I've been a little under the weather the last couple of weeks. Really? But, uh, I'm hanging in there. You know, the weather hasn't exactly been too steady here in New York City. Yeah, it's a, it's officially fall in New York, and it's you know I think this year we've gone more of the uh, the chill. Earlier, the last couple of yeah. years, it was kind of like summer like through mid October, and this year we actually have this kind of cooler trend right now. Although today is supposed to get up to like the the seventies, yeah, yep, exactly. So it's gonna be a little bit warmer. So, thank you for joining us for a brand new episode. We are now available on Apple Podcasts and also on Google Play Music. So go subscribe, rate comment thank you for listening and let's get right to it so i have a you know list of things as we always do uh in each episode and so i guess i'm going to just talk about my trip coming in today because there was something that that was interesting that happened and it's something that i see a lot and it just reminded me so i'm on the train and you know coming here and someone's on their phone i think they have an iphone and they have the the regular earphones with the 3.5 millimeter connector and so they have those in their ears and they're talking to someone on the phone and they hold the phone up you know with the mic direction toward their mouth and they're talking into it and i'm like saying well that's not where that that is where the mic is but when you're using earbuds that's not where you're talking to there's a mic there's a a mic on the headphones in line and i can never understand that i see that all the time and it's I, like the strangest things. Like, why are you doing it that way? Because they can't hear you. And, yeah, and, for and years. And I, I see them. They're talking louder and louder and louder. It's like, yeah, it's not over there. It's down by the inline so cable. I, I think with these people, I, um, they've probably used the speaker a lot mm-hmm. on their phone and not the headset. So they think that, oh, I need to speak directly into the phone itself and there's no mic. And that might be why they do that. I have actually not seen that in a long while. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. say three years back, I did see that a lot and always wondered, why are they doing that? It's counterproductive to talk to that. Right. So. It, it, it never makes any sense to me. And so then, then the other thing, you know, getting on, on the subways and New York City subways are like, there, there are so many things we can say about it, but I'm not going to go into all those details. But one thing that dawned on me today is why are the station tiles and the columns painted the colors they're painted? I was passing through one of the stations and it had like a very unique color that I was then thinking, well, maybe that was the least expensive can of paint that they could get because it's like there, there's no consistency. And now like most of the stations are like this blue color that they use and uh, that's a little bit more consistent. But when you pass through different stations, you notice like every station is a little bit different and the newer stations have a certain look now and look and feel that's consistent. So if you go to like the new Hudson Yard station, at 34th Street, then that one has a very elegant look because they spent a ton of money invested in, in that station, building it out, fully air-conditioned, temperature-controlled. Very nice, except for when there are problems. Like when, when they first opened, they had the water leaks and then the escalators broke down. And that's not too different, I think, than like when the new PATH station opened up at the World Trade Center after that was, was rebuilt, that they had problems as well. So, yeah, so those are like two just random thoughts on my way in today to our studio and it was just really you know first the the whole thing with the earbuds and something yeah definitely i haven't seen in a while and then the other thing was the fact that yeah the the train stations are all painted a different color and it's just for some reason today it just known to me it's like why are they painted those colors just kind of odd so that, that's how i wanted to start this episode that, that's actually a 
Really funny. I've never actually noticed that. And it's probably <laughs> because I don't pay attention, but yeah. I'm guessing you probably had a longer type of ride today. Yeah, that's yeah, likely yeah, why yeah. you noticed it. You're like, uh, I need to focus on something because this is taking really long right now. And yeah. that's probably why and you just picked up on that. I don't know how other transit systems, you know, like in, in other cities work, but you know, right now we have a lot of, and I'm sure this happens in other cities as well, that we ha- and a lot of other countries where they have their transit systems, like London and so forth. But we have a lot of construction over the weekends in New York City. So they're constantly rerouting the trains and they're skipping stations or there's no uptown service, no downtown, or the entire station is just closed while they do renovations. And so because there's so much going on, finding your way around the city on a weekend is just time consuming because you constantly see people standing in the station and it's roped off and you have to know that there's no train running or they make announcements. And even, you know, coming in, they'll say, like, the, these trains are running express, so there's no local service and people will still be standing on the local side hoping that there's a train coming. So, Yep, absolutely. I mean, I think it's like a puzzle, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's on your mind today? Um, I think my first bit would be around the iOS upgrade. Oh, um, yes. I think it's been iOS. a major thing for everyone. You know, <laughs> when we went to 13, then we we just sort of incrementally got all these updates to fix one thing, to fix another thing, to fix another thing. And um, looking back at it, I feel like that initial version of 13 was probably better than what it ended up being with all these updates because I ended up seeing more problems as we go along. Um, and one other bit was uh, my Apple Watch where it just lost sync completely right. with my iPhone. And that happened each time I upgraded um, to one of those inc- incremental versions. So it got really annoying where you're trying to figure out, do I just delink it, relink it? What do I do? Reboot the devices? And I think I've gotten it where it's relatively functional now. Right. But one of the major things that bug me right now are the notifications on my iPhone where when I get a new email, yeah, sure, it shows up on my screen, but I'm not getting the sound notification or the, or the vibrate on there. So I might not even realize I've had three emails come in until I look at my phone, and sometimes, again, it half syncs with my watch, or I don't always have my watch on. A lot of times, if I'm home, I take off my watch. I don't want it on 24-7 right. um, just so I can clean and do everything else. But I think that's some of the major items that I've seen. Um, what have you seen on your... Yeah, I, I mean, I normally have learned over the years not to upgrade as soon as the, the latest update comes. And, and I've known that for years. You know, we, we've both dealt in, in the technology and IT sectors for quite some time. And so I know don't just go for the latest and greatest immediately. Give it some time. So I normally wait until the dot one version comes out. Now, iOS 13 is a very different beast because iOS 13 came out, I think, September 19th. And then five days later, iOS 13.1 came out because they had to resolve a bunch of bugs and problems. So I waited. And so when 13.1 came out, I said, okay, you know, normally dot one works well. And as soon as I finished upgrading, I noticed that my iPhone slowed down and the performance was just terrible. And, you know, that's something that I haven't seen in quite some time with an iOS update. And so 13.1 just really didn't do very well, you know, going to that upgrade. And so then 13.1.1 came out, and that fixed that performance issue, but something that continued to linger, and there is a Apple community thread about this, is the problem with Apple Mail. 
And not everyone has this problem, but some people do. And I, I'm one of those who experience it, which is I have to read and delete mail twice. And that's really, really annoying. There's nothing I can do to work around it. I've deleted the accounts. I've uh, rebooted the phone. I've done just about everything you can outside of wiping the phone. And I was going to do that until I found this thread about this issue and others saying they've wiped their phone. It doesn't solve the problem. And even 13.1.2 doesn't fix the problem. So what happens is literally you get a brand new email message. And when you read it the first time, it doesn't get marked as read. You have to read it a second time for it to get marked as read. And likewise, sometimes I just want to read, delete, read, delete, read, delete. I can't do that. I have to read. And if I try to delete it, it shows right back up. So I have to go read, delete, read, delete twice for every message. So there was one day that I didn't have time to look at my email. And all of a sudden I had like just a dozen messages. Fine. That dozen messages was like reading messages 24 times to have to, to deal with that. And, and that was like ridiculous. And the other thing I, I've recently noticed is that sometimes I flag messages to go back to later on. So if I flag a message and then I go to the desktop version of Outlook, even though the message only shows up once, when it shows up under the, the tasks that you have flagged, the flag shows up twice. So when I delete that email that has the flag or unflag it, the second flag is still there. So I have to go into that that reminder or that task and delete the task from there to clear the reminder or to clear the flag. And it's so annoying. And so just this morning, I was going the same thing. They have to read everything twice and delete things twice. And so some people had suggested on the thread, send feedback to Apple about the issue because there was one person who said, yeah, Apple wasn't even aware of, of the issue. So I, I've done that. I, I've sent that feedback. Hopefully in the next version, whether that's 13.1.3 or 13.2, they'll finally fix it but it's a really annoying bug to deal with. And that's like the major issue I'm dealing with. There are some other issues that I've run into, like just um, responsiveness of the touchscreen. I'll get some weird things, like if I'm swiping, all of a sudden letters from the keyboard I have actually up. gotten that. Yeah, and I don't know what that's all about. Some apps have crashed randomly, and sometimes that's just an app issue. It's something the developer hasn't updated, because every day now I'm seeing like about a dozen different uh, new versions of apps that are coming out. And so they're still fixing those to work out some of the bugs. But I've had that issue. I've also noticed, and I don't know if you've seen this, battery performance, not so good. I, it looks like my battery's draining faster. And when I'm charging on a wireless charging pad, it's taking longer to charge. And I'm using the, I've used the Anchor PowerWave 7.5 watt stand and also the pad. I'm getting the same issue. And there are a number of posts which say, yeah, if you're using maybe non-Qi uh, charging pads that are like fully certified, it might be an issue. Right. But I'm using like the Anchor brand, which is certified, and it's, I'm still having that same issue. It's taking yeah. much longer to charge. Yeah, I think I haven't had too many battery issues, though I do notice that my battery has burned down slightly faster than it normally would, you know, having not charged it throughout the day. Usually I have still probably around more than half and now I'm seeing less than half. Right. Um, I think the other major issue for me on that Apple Mail bit is that 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 fake reply single button that they've consolidated. Oh, yeah, yeah. You hit that, and that's where a lot of times what I do is I, I read an email and I mark it on red. That's sort of my way of flagging emails that I know I have to go back on it. Right. So I use that mark on red option a lot, and I just hate that you have to hit that fake reply button, which isn't actually reply. Right. It's see more options. Yeah. So I think they could have done a little better with that and 
something so it doesn't just look like it's reply yeah, only because like, like I got confused. Like the little gear icon right. for like settings or, or like additional options. Something else because, exactly. yeah, w the first time I heard about that, I was like looking at it, like, well, why is it in this reply? So I pushed the reply and all the other menu options are there, like flagging and forwarding. And it's like, well, what does reply have to do with forwarding and flagging and all the rest of those things? It has nothing to do with it. Right, so, exactly. so that that was frustrating, and also I think, and we talked about this uh, when you want to delete an app, you hold yep. down, and now you literally get that menu rather than immediately kind of just get the the, the jiggling yep. apps, and that's like an extra step. And I, I think they are in thirteen point two. They were saying at least in the beta that when you push on that now, when you hold down, it's going to give you an option to actually delete apps immediately or do something like that. Yeah, that's a little tricky. I, I found that if you just push it a little too hard. Then I'll do that. But if you just hit it slightly lightly, it does actually still work. Yeah. But there, I, I feel that's glitchy. And I think that also goes back to where you said you were clicking on buttons and you suddenly saw letters the on letters, the keyboard. Yeah. So I think there is some glitch there. And I think once they resolve that, everything should start working much nicer. But um, I guess I'll go back to say dark mode is awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's the only thing keeping me from just flipping out on all the other issues. Right. But... I got to say again, dark mode is awesome. Yeah, I, you know, with iOS 13 after upgrading, I just, there's not enough in there right now for me to convince me that I should have upgraded to a version that was so buggier or buggier than previous versions. I would have been fine, I think, staying at 12 and saying, okay, let's let Apple work out a lot of these bugs, fix those problems, and then give me a much more stable, performance-driven version like 13.2 or whatever version comes out that will fix most of these bugs i'd rather wait for that right. i'm just not seeing enough that would say hey this is worth doing now have you tried ipad os 13 i have but very lightly i haven't had a chance to use my ipad too much um but overall i haven't seen too many issues again it could be because i haven't used it too much but i think you can put more icons on the screen now right. which is nice you get that little split view which is great. Um, but outside of that, I think I'm going to have to start using it a lot more before I have any more feedback on that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the first thing, and I, I told you the story too, after I upgraded to iPad OS 13, it's like all the icons were smaller. It's like, what? Well, you know, I, I get that, you, you know, because I'm using the first gen 12.9 iPad Pro. So I have all this real screen real estate. It's great to fit it all in there, but they're like tiny icons now. So they're like so small. And then the other thing I noticed is that in the dock, that certain apps... When I hit them in the dock, the recently used apps, it doesn't launch, like Twitter, YouTube, different apps randomly. So I have to go into the settings, clear those recent apps, turn all that off, turn it back on, and then it worked. And it worked for a couple of days, and the same thing happened. So like last night, I, w I was doing the same thing. It's like, all of a sudden, it's not working. So okay, so now I have to go back and clear it all. Because sometimes I do like to use the dock and, and click on those recently used apps just so that's faster. And other times, I'm fine going in there and, and finding the app I, I need to use. But it was really annoying that, you know, there were those bugs. And the mail issue does happen in iPad OS 13 too. So I'm, I thought initially, oh, no, it's not happening in here. And it's like, wait, I have to read these messages twice again. And it's like, it's driving me crazy. And I, I actually wrote a blog post last night about my first experience on iOS 13. And uh, that will go live Wednesday. So if you want to check that out, uh, davidlimonline.com forward slash blog. So you can read that blog post. I post uh, new posts almost every Wednesday. So you can check that out. So what else was on your mind? Um, one, one thing that I've been looking at a lot um, and thinking about is really about 
streaming media. Mm-hmm. I've been using Amazon Music, you know, the purchased version. Right. Was it Amazon Unlimited? Right. Um, and I'd used that for probably about a year or so. And there were some little bits that started annoying me. So I said, hey, why not move to Apple Music and see right. what that's like? So I guess I wanted to go a bit into that. I know for you, you don't do much of the streaming media. You do more of the, let me buy the music. I'll have it on my device. So I think one thing that I have for you, though, is why do you like that versus using some sort of streaming service? It's not necessarily that I don't do streaming, but I think in terms of streaming, like I do have like Amazon Prime, so I do have access to those libraries and I create them. You know, the thing about Amazon Prime, like the music there is, I, I don't know, just the, the way the playlists work and just everything just seems so jumbled. It's not yep. as organized and structured. So when I have like my own music, I can really just organize my playlist or just kind of quickly find the music. It's like, it's like being thrown into a giant library. It's like, yep. go find this one book. Yep. But I'm not going to tell you how to find it. And, <laughs> and so you, you have to do the searching. Yep. And so it, it, there's so, something that just with, and you know, I do have a few playlists set up with, with like Amazon Music that I go to to listen to. But a lot of times, like during the day, I will go to something like iHeartRadio and listen to podcasts or listen to uh, live uh, radio streams that are going on during the day. And then at, you know, at various times of the day, I'll, I'll switch it out. Like, and I know that some, you know, when this gets uploaded, we're not going to be close to it yet, but I'm listening to Christmas music already. So, and, but, but what happens with Christmas music is it's relaxing. It's yep. fun. It's, you know, the holiday season is just a fun time. And I know that's still a couple months away. It's not even Halloween yet when we're recording this episode. But the thing is that it's, it's very relaxing. But I've also fi- found that there are a lot of other podcasts that I listen to as well that are really fun. And it's also good to kind of listen to other people's stories and, and how they do podcasts and what they talk about. So I've been doing a lot of that recently as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't have problems with streaming. It's just that I think that there's so many streaming services now and there's, it's so commercialized that you know, we're spending so much money on doing all these things. Right. And so you know, we, we all are trying to save money. We all have expenses. We all are living day in, day out, trying to make sure that you know, we have you know, food, shelter, you know, all the basic necessities right. that I don't want to be spending on every one of these different services. Sure. But sometimes there are things that we want to spend on that we want to see. Like, you know, let me just jump off on a tangent here. You know, there's that new Star Trek series, Star Trek Picard, but that's on CBS All Access. I don't think that's out yet. No, not um, yet. But, you know, it's on CBS All Access, and I think that was like nine ninety nine a month or something like right, that. Right, exactly. So if you want to watch that, you know, you have to pay nine ninety nine a month. And there are also like a number of comedians that I like to watch, you know, uh, their performances. They're doing Netflix specials and it's only on X Netflix yep. or it might be like three or four years before they're available, you know, through like Amazon where you can buy the video. Right. And so um, like one comedian that I, I, I like, Nikki Glazer, she has a new um, comedy special on Netflix. But the thing is that you have to have Netflix. And so if you don't have it, you can't watch it. And it's like, OK, so... And then eventually you start seeing, okay, so now I need Netflix and I need CBS All Access and I need this and that. And it just becomes so overwhelming that you're, you know, we, we were supposed to move to like the streaming media platform to, you know, be able to disconnect from like cable. But now it's like, no, you can't just, you know, even if you disconnect from cable, you're spending all this money on all these different, you know, 20 streaming platforms. So it, it's just so much to, to invest in. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it all adds up and it makes you wonder all why 
and I just stick with cable then, or yeah. why don't they just stick with one type? Yeah, but even if but, you stick with cable, it's yeah. like you know some of these things aren't available on on normal cable. No, either. absolutely. But I think because of the whole streaming piece of everything, everyone's just taking advantage now. I'm like, oh, I can make money off of this, right. so let me go ahead and do that. But absolutely, going back to Amazon, I definitely think the app itself for Amazon Music was very cluttered. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel clean. It was right. felt messy, and. One thing that you can do is offline mode. So you can download the song so that if you're in the train, you don't have service. At least here in New York, you don't get any service when you're in the train tunnels. Yeah. Even well, in, yeah, yeah, in the tunnels now. No, yeah, no. exactly. In the station, you might get it sporadically. You're supposed to. That's the funny thing is I, I vaguely recall him saying that you should be able to get service in every station, and that's not the case. So I think they didn't really clarify that. You kind of can, but if you can't, you're supposed to connect to their wireless, yeah. right? And I'm like, I don't want to connect to your yeah, wireless because, on you know, my just phone. To, you know, anyone who ever connected to like public wire you know it's still public wi-fi right. exactly and it's like it's not secure yep. and i mean i think that's why there are all those like vpn services now that are available so that you can create that secure connection even like at a hotel room I, you know at a hotel i don't like using the public wi-fi there because it's really not secure right so you know you would probably be better using your lte service if you have it but the caveat there is that if you're out of the country or if you're in Certain states, like some years ago, I had I took a road trip, and when you're out in Arizona, there are, you know, towns in Arizona where there's really choppy service. And I mean, it's been several years. Like I went in 2015, so it's been like four years ago. But you know, maybe it's improved. But there are some areas, even here in New York, you walk right. over along Park Avenue around the 30s or 40s, and there's this little section of Park Avenue you walk around, and all of a sudden. No LTE service. Like, why? I think I'm this familiar with that City. section. Yeah. So you're in Manhattan and it's like, there's no service over here. What? So it, it's, you know, strange. And also like um, on the west side, if you're along the west side, there are, are spots there where same thing. There's just no service all of a sudden. It's like, what? How, how can there be no service in this day and age? We're the digital age, but there's no service. Exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, coming back from that. Um, yeah. So one thing with Amazon is when you want to listen to those music, to that music that you've downloaded, yeah you have to go into offline mode. Okay. So you literally have to go to settings, enable offline mode. Otherwise, if it's in online mode, it's going to try to cycle through all the music there. Right. And it gets stuck, and you might be listening to a song, and suddenly it stops for a while. And you're like, what's going on? And you see that it's just trying to get through each song right. as, it's, as doing its randomization mm-hmm. because it doesn't know offline from online unless you turn it offline. Right. So that got very annoying at one point, and I just hated it. <laughs> with a passion. But one reason I did want to do some paid service was because commercials just got really annoying. Yeah. Especially if I'm just letting music run on the speakers at home and you would hear that commercial. It's like, okay, I have three commercials now. It's getting mm-hmm. very annoying. Right. And I just wanted something that was just seamless, just right. music all day and I could just relax, not hear some commercial in between. But the one nice thing though with Amazon is you can still listen to music through a browser. Versus right. Amazon versus Apple Music, where it's only through the app, you know, with, right. with, with your phone or on a Mac or on an iPad. But that was, I guess, one of the best features with Amazon. But overall, not having that clean interface, having that offline mode issue, I hated that. So I had gone on to Apple Music, and right. you don't have to have that online offline mode, right? And it knows what you've downloaded. Right. which is great. So it's just seamless music. It just goes through. I can just let music run all day. Um, there's actually a cleaner interface. I actually know what I'm doing. And 
one thing is you have radio channels that you can do on Apple Music, right? And it it has a good number of songs within their playlist, so it doesn't repeat. At some point, it does repeat, right? I mean, but I'd probably say maybe two hours, two and a half hours, then it starts repeating some of the music. Versus again, Amazon, it seemed to be a very limited playlist, right. so it almost seemed like you're listening to a radio station playing yeah uninterrupted music, right? But suddenly, an hour later, you start hearing the same songs yeah, the again. Same songs that repeat. So I felt it had a good random, randomization on there, and that's why it's been great. So after using Apple Music, I said, you know what, I'm I'm going to get rid of Amazon. Right. So I went to try to cancel it. Okay. And, oh Here my god, go. the frustration <laughs> in trying to cancel it. It's as if they don't want you to cancel it. Obviously, right. who wants you to cancel yeah, it? Yeah, of course. But it's almost like they want you to give up. So you'll get, it's pretty much like a four-step process. You can, you, you go to, I want to cancel it. Right. You want to confirm, give us some reasons why. All right, final confirmation. When I got to the final confirmation, click OK, the OK button doesn't work. Right. The cancel button works, the OK button mm-hmm. doesn't work. I'm like, whoa, what's this? So I try from another browser, get all the way there, same okay. issue. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. OK. I'm like, all right, you know what, benefit of the doubt, maybe they're having an issue. Next day, I do it again. Same problem. Right. Repetitive. Mm-hmm. Following day, again, same thing. So I gave up, waited two, three days later. Finally, I was able to cancel right. the subscription. <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on here? And granted, maybe there were some issues, right. but I do feel as one of these type of services, I think anyone who's ever been on these type of services, whether it's you know cable or something, right. they always try to encourage you not to cancel, right. and yeah. I feel they wanted you to give up. They wanted to break you down yeah, that, until I, you gave up. That, that, yeah, that's very common. I have to say that, like when when I had Netflix, for example, and and I did have it for a while. It was like a gift a gift subscription, and so I was using it for like three months. They made it fairly easy, and not everyone has the same experience uh, because I have read stories of other people having problems. But it was a gift uh, subscription, so you know there was a cancel button. You you sign in and you hit cancel, and and you're done. And you have it good through the end of your term. So for me, at least, it was fine. I know that there are stories like um, with Adobe, for example, a lot of people who say that uh, if they want to cancel their Adobe Creative Cloud subscriptions, that they go in there and there's supposed to be a cancel button. I think in the early days, there wasn't a cancel button. You had to call and they would kind of, you you know, go through this whole exercise of trying to convince the agent that you want to cancel and they're trying to downgrade you and whatnot and offer you a free month and, and things like that. And... So you couldn't get it canceled. But then later on, they added a cancel button. And then some people said that, no, well, they hit the cancel and says, oh, we can't cancel you it online. Call this number. And they go through the same exercise. Right. Um, Microsoft, I think, uh, with Office 365, like their subscription, I found that it's very easy to cancel. I've never had to cancel, but I ha- have like reduced licenses for any of their subscription services. And it's very easy to do that because they'll prorate the charges for you. Right. So I find that Microsoft, as big a company as they are, they've made it very easy to do it. And I don't, again, I don't know that that's the same experience for everyone, but at least from what I've seen, I think Microsoft kind of is a good model for, for demonstrating how you can go into their, their dashboard, add licenses, remove licenses, cancel, uh, disable the, the auto renewal, things like that. And they're not the only ones. There are, there are, I'm sure, other platforms. I, you know, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of it right now. But there are others that make subscriptions easier. But it, it should be that way. You know, if you subscribe to something where uh, there's going to be auto renewal, then make it easy for people to cancel because you know, step up and show that you're not 
about profits over the experience. You want to have customers like your service or whatever you provide and also be able to freely join and leave. And if you show that that's what you're capable of, that you're thinking about the consumer first, then you're going to get a better experience. Whereas if you don't think about the consumer and you focus on profits, how do we keep people locked in? That's when you're going to start running into problems. Because then you look at, okay, people are complaining to the Better Business Bureau and they're complaining to government agencies and things like that. And I've had problems with different service providers over the years. And I've had to do that. I've had to get like government agencies involved and the Better Business Bureau and whatnot. Uh, Sometimes it was for cable or for internet and things like that. There are always issues. And you shouldn't have to do that. The service providers, these companies, should be able to step up to the plate and say, hey, we're providing you with the service. If we do a good job, you stick around. If we don't do a good job, feel free to walk away. No questions asked. We understand. And that's the way good service is. And poor service is, oh, you know, we're going to you know, spin you around the hoop for 30 minutes. And when, when you're ready to finally speak to someone, we're going to disconnect the call. And all of a sudden now... You know, you have to do, and I've had that before where you're, you're waiting 45 minutes for an agent to get on the phone and then, I'm sorry, your call's been disconnected. Please try again later. And then you have to, you know, spend another 45 minutes to try to reach someone to go through. Or sometimes you're talking to someone and the call gets disconnected and then you have to start again with a different agent and tell the whole story to. And they don't understand the situation. They, They read from a script and they're not really being responsive to what you're telling them. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I think there's very three three famous letters of the past, AOL. Uh, well, I actually used to have AOL, and I went through a nightmare just to try to cancel them. And they really just beat you down saying, well, why do you really want to get rid of the service? Like, I just don't need it. And they just kept going in loops, and they hung up on me twice. Right, yeah. And when I asked, when they canceled it finally, I'm, I asked, are you going to send me a letter? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. We'll have to get your, your address, transfer you, blah, blah, blah. Never transfer me, just hung up on me again. I mean, it did get canceled, right? but ultimately it was a nightmare. And going to your point, Amazon doesn't just offer one service. They offer right. multiple. Right. Now, if you give me bad service on one service, what would make me not think about another service? I have Amazon Prime, and that actually disappointed me that just to cancel music, I went through that. Right. kind of made me think, uh I don't know, Amazon is a business. Is this a good model for you? Right. Because you kind of disappointed me at that yeah, point. Yeah. You know, did that make me go away from Amazon Prime? No, but I feel like they need to redeem themselves in a way. Yeah. And hopefully, again, that's like a one-off experience, but, and no one else has it, but you never know. Um, and I guess one takeaway just from music services mm-hmm. um, or any service that I learned was that for Amazon, you know, initially I just got the trial and then I said, hey, I want this. So I just bought the whole year versus month to month. Right. But obviously in between, I'm like, this, oh. this is for what, music or for? Prime? For the music, for okay. the music. And then I was just like, oh, I shouldn't have paid for the whole year. Right, right. Now I'm stuck with that. I, now I want to go to Apple. So I do still have some time left on my Amazon because I'm right. not doing month to month. I right. did the whole year. But I think some advice to people out there is that month to month is the way to go for these type of services because you never know when something's just going to snap in your mind and right. say, oh, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm going to go to something else. Yeah. And when you're committed, you're hesitant now. Do I want to spend this money and put it to another service where I'm still paying for that one? Do I use both services or right. what do I do there? 
So I think month to month is the way to go when you're doing these type of services. So at any point, you can just cancel it. Right. You can go back to it when you want to, right. but you can cancel it and you have that freedom instead of putting all that money yeah. out you know, in front. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's a catch-22 because what happens is that if you pay for a whole year, you get a discount. Yep. So for example, uh, if I go back to like Adobe Creative Cloud, if you... Uh, there, you, you have to have, you know, you're committed to a year when you do, like, even the month-to-month yep. or subscription services, any of, any of that, because it's all subscription now, is that you have to commit to the year. But the thing is that when you commit, it's like, it's, I think it's like five ninety nine and change for 12 months. Uh, and this is just the, you know, the standard individual subscription for Creative Cloud versus if you do month-to-month, then I think they charge you seventy nine ninety nine a month. So on a month-to-month for, for the whole year, it's like fifty two ninety nine versus 79 so they jack up the price, so then it forces you to say, okay, if like, if look, if you're a designer, an art director, anyone in the creative space, or, or a digital creator, you have to, and you have to use Adobe products because there's no way around it, then you're, you're committed to that. Uh, ad agencies, for example, you are committed to it, so you have to use it. There, there's really no replacement, good replacement that, that you're gonna be able to use because you have to also look at vendors and your clients and what they use, and if they need those files in Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, uh, et cetera, then you have to use it. You don't have a choice. So then you're going to do the $52.99 a month or you know whatever you have to pay. And there's a caveat there too because there's the individual license of the business, and Adobe tends to push businesses towards the business, which is you know they charge more. I think it's like $69 or $79.99 a month versus the $52 for the individual. And then the difference is that you have the advantage of managing the team licenses better than individual licenses because individual, each one is assigned to an individual user and that user controls the license yep. versus the teams where the business can then terminate that email account and then reassign that license to someone else. So there, there are the advantages of using the business, but they, char- you know, they charge you more money for it. But going back to, to the main point there is that, yes, if you need it, then the advantage is you're paying for the, for the year and you're getting the discount versus paying the month to month. But if you know that this is really a trial basis, I'm not sure, so maybe I'll use it a month or two, then, yes, it's going to make sense because, okay, I'll pay the $79.99 for two months. But at the end of two months, I don't like it. I cancel it. So I only spent that amount versus the $600 I would have spent for the entire year. Or, or more, so whatever that is. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a catch-22 when you do that. Yep, definitely. I mean, I think when you have those different options and you can be flexible with options, then that's when that month-to-month works, and that's why this is more geared towards, like, streaming services. But when you talk about applications, that's a whole different ballgame, right? I mean, it's something you need to do if that's your field. Well, you have to do it. Um, and if you don't have any options, then you, you go for the money-saving method instead of the month-to-month piece. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just jumping, I want to jump over to Microsoft a little bit because they held a, their Surface event on October 2nd. And it's been a while since I've watched like any of the Microsoft events. I, like, I watch the, the Apple keynote events often. But Microsoft events, I, you know, it's been a few years since I've seen it. So I had just realized that they were having a Surface event on October 2nd and they were live streaming it. So I went to watch it. And so they announced you know, their new products like Surface Laptop 3, the Surface Pro 7, Surface Pro 10, the Surface Earbuds, and then for next year, they announced uh, that they're working on Surface Neo and Surface Duo, which are the dual-screen devices that they have coming out, which is interesting because dual-screen, I think, who, who's the one? Is it 
Samsung? Samsung? Yep. Yeah, that, that had their well, fold device. Fold, folding yeah, screen. Yeah, and, and then it went through you know all these issues during the, the beta testing to... to um, to developers and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, people were accidentally ripping the film that yeah, they just thought yeah. was a protector and exactly. that actually breaks the right. screen. In its but own. I think Microsoft, you know, they're just really using hinges on 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 their devices on there. So it's interesting because that they went that route. So, you know, that that part's interesting. I definitely will say that Duo and Neo, Neo are interesting products that we'll have to keep an eye on heading into 2020. But I think looking at the other devices like Surface Laptop 3, Surface Pro 7 and Surface Pro X. And I hope I said Surface Pro X the first time because it's very confusing when I'm dealing with iPhone 10 and Surface Pro X because you remember when iPhone 10 came out, people were saying iPhone X. And it's like, no, 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 it's iPhone 10. Well, people still call it XR for the XR. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> like, you know, no, it's 10R, 10R. 10S. <laughs> well, that's why it's good that it's now 11, 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max. And let's jump back to iPhone later because we visited an Apple store recently. Yes. And we've got a story to tell about that too. But so, so out of all those new Surface devices, what popped out to me was Surface Pro X, mainly because it has this really sleek design and, you know, it, it's not cheap. Uh, and Apple products aren't cheap either. Uh, but Microsoft Surface devices have come a long way because when they first announced it, like the very first Surface device coming out in competition because everyone was coming out with tablets and, and whatnot, I just thought like, you know, this is just a really bulky, expensive piece of hardware and it's, it's really not worth it. And I think at that time they were using like Windows RT. They, they weren't using like Windows, Windows 10 wasn't out yet and they weren't using any versions of, of Windows, I believe, for it. And so um, Windows RT came out for, for the Surface, and it was like, you know, it's, it's not worth the money to, to spend on this. But now when you look at the product line, it's gotten better. It's not perfect, but it's gotten a lot better than what it used to be. So Surface Pro X is definitely something like I found interesting because that's a line that I really haven't used before. I've seen it. I've read reviews about it. But you, you've used, like, Surface Pro devices. Yeah, I mean, call it two-in-one hybrids. What do you want to call it, right? Um, I've definitely used them before. I've used the Surface Pro before. I've used Lenovo line-type hybrids. And overall, they're, they're mixed reviews, right? It really depends what you're using for. In, in a sense, sometimes I felt it's sort of like a netbook. You remember netbooks? Yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of <laughs> like the touchscreen netbook. Right. But with a semi-unstable keyboard, right? Um, they're definitely not great for travel. Mm-hmm. Definitely with the older Surface Pro, um, I don't know how the new ones are now. I think it was uh, a two or something like that that this right. was tested with. And if you're in a car and you're trying to type on that keyboard, that's not the sturdiest keyboard to type on. Yeah, because it's you know you have the kickstand and then a keyboard that that you know you know that folding um, right. cover type keyboard exactly i mean i think that was its first gen right yeah. first second gen then you had other other companies start creating these hybrids so they had better keyboards but i think overall it was just if you're traveling it's difficult you know if you're in a car you're in a train and you know i don't mean that oh you have it you're traveling as in you're in a hotel room i mean right. i think it's fine if you're in a hotel room but again i don't think it has the power that you would need it really depends right. i feel like it's great for basic internet browsing mm-hmm. or you're looking at some documentation great right. but if you're looking to do let's say video editing or anything hardcore right. i don't you, think you it's gonna it, it's not made for that but y- you know everyone likes to push things to the limit right? right it's it's lighter it's sleek it's easy to carry so yeah great but i was using one hybrid device 
And it took about, what, maybe 10 minutes after booting up, right. where the processor finally went down to something reasonable. Right. You know, definitely below 50%, right. where I can actually use the device. But right. that's pretty much useless to me. Yeah. I don't want to start up a device and wait literally 10 to 15 minutes before I can use it. Right, because if you have that high CPU u- utilization, you just it just kills performance. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You just see everything hang. So I've never been sold on these two-in-ones or hybrids. Maybe great if you feel like you'll do some, some work when traveling right. on a vacation. Again, internet browsing, if you don't want to do that on an iPhone or if you're an iPad right. or whatever the, the equivalent on an Android, mm-hmm. right? Like one of those, and you feel like you need a full-blown OS to do it on. Sure, but I don't know. Uh, maybe it's something that I have to go back to and see again if, if they've improved it. But at least that's been my experience, and this would probably be maybe two, three years ago. Right. Nothing, I would say, within under a year. Right. And now that, you know, I don't, I don't remember um, in terms of at, at that time what the, the specific processors were. Now they have like i5, i7 chips. And what's interesting about the Surface Pro X is that they have this new Microsoft SQ1 chip, which is an ARM processor that they've worked in conjunction with Qualcomm to come up with. So right now I'm waiting for other people to get their hands on you know, the test model so that they can compare the SQ1 versus what, how an i5 or an i7 performs to, to see if it's comparable or if it's going to be slower. Because, you know, the other thing is I'm used to using, at least from a Windows side, i7 chips having really a performance-driven computer. So I like using like the ThinkPad T-Series, which gives me a good price, but also I can, up, you know, I can uh, upgrade the RAM to a level that is efficient, I have enough storage space, but it's a performance-driven machine. And it's not, you know, these are Ultrabooks, so, you know, with the, the T-Series, it's a good form factor. It's not the lightest in the world, so, like, right now, you, you know, if, when I travel, I'll use, like, a 12-inch MacBook because it's a lot lighter, it does what I need it to do, and it's just a small form factor to take with me, but it's not performance-driven. So I'm not going to be editing videos, I'm not going to be doing anything memory-intensive on it. That, you know, I can, you would need like a MacBook Pro or, or a more powerful Windows machine. So when you look at something like the Surface Pro X, I am curious as to how that will perform. And, you know, that won't be out in, in, available. That doesn't start shipping or doesn't make it into stores until no- November 5th. So I'm going to be waiting until some test reviews come out to see how well that performs. But I, I found that to be like the most interesting because, yes, Surface Laptop 3 is, you know, they, they've upgraded the processors you have a nice configuration. Is it the best bang for the buck? Probably not. Because when I compare that against like something like, again, a Lenovo ThinkPad, it's just, you know, the ThinkPad gives me better bang for the buck so that I'm getting higher performance, but it's not going to be unreasonably priced. It's not going to be cheap, but it's not going to be unreasonably priced. It'll, it'll still be within the budget that, I, that I'm looking for. And then Surface Pro 7, again, they have the i5 and i7 chips, so... That's where it would come down to, okay, so which performs better, this new SQ1 chip from Microsoft or the Intel i5, i7 chips? Because the Surface Pro X does give you that bigger screen real estate. They give you that, I think it's like a 13.3-inch pixel yep. sense yes. versus the 12-point-something um, pixel sense on the Surface Pro 7, which so you get a smaller screen. Uh, weight is... Uh, somewhat comparable. It's like close. Less than two pounds. Yeah. It's 1.7, but I guess what's nice, and this is what everyone's looking for these days, edge to edge. 
Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's that's always nice. Um, but I guess just to add to what you said, it'd be nice to see this thing live. Yeah, and see how it looks like. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of like thought about going up to like the, the we have a Microsoft store here in in New York. It's like the Fifth Avenue store, and I've been thinking about popping up there. Although it'd probably be sometime after November fifth, just in case, because like Apple normally when their products their release date. That's when they're in store. So I'm thinking Microsoft may be the same thing that it won't be in store until at least November 5th. But I've been thinking about popping up there and just taking a look, getting like a hands-on look to see how it performs. So, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I definitely find that that's interesting if it can perform well. If it doesn't, then, it, you know, it, it's one of those things that you kind of just throw out there and say, okay, it was interesting, but, it, it, you know, it's not really going to be worth the, the money to invest in. Surface earbuds. So my initial impression, and, you know, w- when Apple came out with the AirPods, we all had some criticism of, you know, what's that little stem sticking out from your ear? It just looks weird. And over time, you get used to it. And, you know, I love my AirPods. You know, they work really well. So Surface earbuds, they announced, and it's like, I'm thinking, you know, Frankenstein? Yes. Where, where they have, like, the giant ear? Yeah. And, like, that was like, the first thing that popped in my head. It's like, these are huge that stick, you know, and the surface area is because you have the gestures that, it, that it's capable of to work with like Office 365 and like Word and, and all that. But it's like, it's so big. And regardless of, you know, they said that it was comfortable in the ears and all that, but it's like, it's so big. It's like, I, I, I'm sure people will get used to it once it's out there, but I, it'll be interesting to see people walking around with those earbuds in their ears so so my first impression was that um if you've seen the apple watch charger mm-hmm. it's circular <laughs> and it's white right now you cut off that that cable and what do you get you get <laughs> you these get earbuds essentially i mean it's similar to when people make fun of the airpods right yeah. Where, oh cut off the cable that's what it is yeah, but exactly. this this is ridiculous it looks like that charger right you know on your ear and it looks ridiculous maybe it's just the picture and right. when people have this on live, it'll look different? No, no. It, I, like I said, I watched the streaming event and, and they were in people's ears and it's like, okay, you know, I, I can't. It, it's, it's just very awkward. But like I said, I think like AirPods, eventually we'll all get used to it when we see people walking down the street or riding the subway and they have the Surface earbuds in their ears. Yeah, I mean, even the case looks kind of huge given that... Uh the way it opens up with the yeah, tin. I, I it think it's like, looks huge you know, with um, all the space in between. Like too. contact lens yes. cases. Yeah, that, absolutely. It's what it's similar to. So and it's funny we talk about contact lenses because I have a, a little story and I told you this, that I, I recently went to, to the eye doctor to, um, you know, get a comprehensive, yep. you know, vision exam. And, you know, when you have insurance, you know, they usually cover like um, an annual visit to, to get your comprehensive exam and all that. And so, you know, I had, you know, my pupils dilated for the, for the first time. And look, I've, I've heard people's stories about it and, you know, they put it in there and, and your eyes will be sensitive to light and, and whatnot. So I get my pupils dilated and like, say, and so the, the eye doctor says, okay, go back into the, like the main area for 20 minutes because it takes like 20 minutes for the, for your pupils to get dilated. Go back to the main area, you know, and then when you're done, just come back, sit in the area, and they'll call me. So I go back, you know, out to the main area, and I'm, like, looking at, you know, like, the glasses and the frames and all that stuff. I'm looking around the room. It's like, no, oh, you know, eyes are dilated. My pupils are dilated, but everything looks normal. 
So then I'm like um, talking to like one of the people who worked there. And then all of a sudden, like I start seeing everything that anywhere that, where there's light. And you know, when you go to eyeglass shops, they always have lights around everything, like all the frames and all that to light it up. And it's like, what is this yellow hue? This super glow all of a sudden that I'm seeing. And then I look out and they have like glass doors and windows to, to the store. And it's like, everything's so bright. It's like shining. What is this? And I said, oh. I guess that's what it means when your pupils are dilated. So I go back to, to like the waiting area outside the office, the exam room, and they're showing like uh, one of the Avengers movies. And so I'm like watching that. And so I go, oh, let me go take a look at my phone. So I hold my phone up. And it's like everything on my phone is like blurry. I can't read a single thing. And so I'm holding it like, you know, uh, you know, fair distance away from my eyes, like normal. And it's like, I can't read a single thing. What's going on here? And I hold it further away. Oh, I can see it. But there's a glow on everything. Say, oh, I guess that's what it means by your pupils are dilated. So, you know, so now it's like in full effect. I get my eyes checked, you know, finish up. And I'm leaving. And of course, as I'm leaving, it's a bright, sunny day. The sun is shining. It's glowing. I have to walk. I'm walking home. And the sun is hitting the right side of my face. And it's like, the light, the light, I can't see and, it, and it's like, you know, what vampires like, it's so bright. And I literally, you know, it's like, I, and I don't think I, no, I had sunglasses with me. I'm wearing my sunglasses and I, and I use my hand over my head like a visor. And it's like, this is so bright. I can't see a thing. So, I, you know, as I'm on my way home, I, I stop by like a, a supermarket. So let me go into the supermarket for a little bit. Go back in there and I probably spend like 15 minutes in there. Come back and I said, oh, it's much better now. I guess it's starting to, uh, to wear off. And, so, and it was starting to get better, but it's like, okay, so that's what, that's what it means when your pupils get dilated. You're, yeah, your eyes get very sensitive to light. And it was like, okay, that's an interesting experience. But that, the, like that, within that first hour to two hours, like, it was just so bright and so intense. And it's like, okay, I, I get it. You know, it's like uh, I definitely don't want to uh, have to experience that, you know, all the time because that, that's pretty intense. So, so that, that was that story. And I have another story that I, I think I told you, which is my monitor story. Ah, yes, <laughs> this is a good one. So, this is a good one. So for months, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at the office and, you know, I, I'm looking at my screen and, you know, it's, it's, it's a large screen. I think it's like a 20-inch monitor and it's still an LCD screen. But it's, you know, you know I, I stare at the monitor and I keep adjusting like the brightness, contrast, everything on it. I can't get it because, you know, first and foremost... Going back to what I've said before, Apple Retina displays are just like so incredible to look at. They're like very clear and I can't find, even like on my ThinkPad, I, it's not as good. So, and I haven't found anything else that's comparable yet. But so any LCD screen is no match. So I'm, and I know that, but I'm adjusting the screen. It's like, you know, I can't get the screen right. You know, it, why does everything look so blurry, so hard to see? So I'm thinking, my eyes are bad. They're getting worse. How is this happening? And for months, I'm doing this, and I, and I keep noticing that I stick my head closer to the screen because I can't see anything on the screen. So, you know, and that's kind of partly precipitated me going to, to the eye doctor to just check my vision, make sure that was fine. And it's like, this is the strangest thing. So then one day I realize I'm, I'm at home, and I'm on my laptop, and I'm looking at, you know, my screen, the, you know, fairly the same distance that I am when I'm looking at it at the office, and I realized, and it dawns on me, that I can read the screen perfectly fine. And I move the sc my laptop further back. I can still read 
everything on this screen perfectly fine. And it's like, that makes no sense. So I go to the office, and I have a spare monitor. And I put the spare monitor in. And lo and behold, I can see everything on the screen. And it's the screen that was bad this entire time. So for months, I've been staring at this really bad screen that's been killing my vision and only you know, realizing suddenly that, wait, maybe I should have checked the monitor instead of, you know, and, and look, I'm not saying that it's bad to check. You know, you should go check your eyes, obviously. And, you know, they tell you, like, when you get a certain age, you should, you know, have your eyes checked annually or, or twice a year uh, or, or every two years, whatever the case is. You should go get your eyes checked. But, you know, this was just one of those things that it did not dawn on me for months to, oh, wait, maybe the screen is bad. And every day, you know, I, I stare at my own laptop screen and it's perfectly fine. Why would that be the case? And it's because, yeah, the screen was bad. So that's my story. You, you know, the funny thing, I, I think uh, had it happened 10 years ago, you probably blamed the screen. But now that you're older, you probably think, oh, no, yeah, this must be what, what aging feels right. like. Yeah, and, and you, come, you, know, you become conscious, uh, uh, consciously aware of that. And, you know, and, you know, tying that all up is, you know, the fact that I recently had to go renew my driver's license at the DMV. So, you know, everyone hopefully knows about this thing called the Real ID Act, which Congress uh, enacted in 2005. And it set certain standards in terms of when states issue identification and driver's licenses. So uh, since 2005, uh, pretty much the states have been working with the federal government to implement these changes to IDs so that by October 1st, 2020, every state is compliant. So pretty much what it means is that if you still have what's called a standard license or standard ID, starting October 1st, 2020, you will not be able to use that standard ID to get on board a domestic flight. You won't be able to enter like certain federal facilities, military installations, et cetera. And so um, the states have been working their way through the process of getting approval from the federal government to issue these new IDs. And, you know, pretty much you need to prove uh, citizenship, residency, uh, a whole bunch of, of things. Uh, you typically need to go to the DMV or, you know, whatever your motor vehicle agency is called in your particular state. You know, bring like your social security card. Uh, you have to present two f proofs of, of, of residency. Yeah, whether it's like a bank statement yeah, or yeah, a yeah, cable utility bill, bill like or your current driver's license or, or state-issued ID, your passport, all that stuff. And so in order to get a real ID compliant document. And so the difference between your standard uh, license or ID versus like real ID is that your real ID document will almost look the same, except that there should be a star on it. I, th I think it's like on the upper right-hand corner. Every state's a little bit different in terms of how they do it. There are like different pictures, like the star could be black or the star I think could be yellow. There was one where bear, the star's on, uh, um, on a bear or something like that. So there are different things. So you want to make sure that you're compliant because otherwise, starting October 1st, 2020, if you're traveling on a domestic flight, when you go to the TSA and you know you have to show ID, that if you want to use like your driver's license or state-issued ID, it has to be one of these real ID-compliant uh, documents. You can use that, or in certain states, they have what's called the enhanced ID or driver's license, which pretty much it's one extra step so that you can use it for entry at uh, sea or land border crossings between Canada and Mexico. So it's kind of like using uh, a passport card. You can also, in lieu of, of doing it, because here's the other thing, is if you get a standard 
ID versus a real ID, the cost is the same. In, it should be in most states. And if you get an enhanced license, at least in New York State, they charge you an extra $30. Then in lieu of that, if you don't want to get real ID, for example, and because you have a, a passport, for example, yes, you can use a passport in lieu of a real ID document. You can use a passport card. You can use any of the trusted traveler cards like Global Entry. If you have a Global Entry card, you can use that as well. So there are different alternative documents. But what's interesting is that right now we're down to the final year. So October 1st, 2020 is the deadline. And so news stations have been reminding people and the government, states and federal government have been reminding people, look, if you're going to be traveling you know, domestically, this is going to be the biggest thing because most of the time, what do we have on us? You know, we have our driver's license or we have our state issue ID with us. And so those are the most convenient to have. You don't want to have to carry all well, your passport book is so big you don't have to carry that unless you're using it for international travel your passport card is better but then not everyone has one some people they got the passport book but never got the passport card some people are not enrolled in trusted traveler program so you don't have a global entry card so you want to get that taken care of if, if you're going to be traveling domestically if you have a standard id and this is where it gets tricky if you've got it before your state start issuing these real ids it might, not, it might not have the star, but it also won't say, like, not for federal purposes or uh, federal limits apply. Every state's different in terms of the verbiage that they use. But, like, in New York State, it's um, uh, not for federal purposes. I think that's what it says. Okay. If you got it before September or October of 2018, it's a, it doesn't have any of that. So, most likely, it's not real ID compliant. And if you got it afterwards, if you got a standard then it should say not for federal purposes. If it's a non-real ID compliant, if it is real ID, you should have that uh, black star on the upper right-hand corner, I believe. And then if you have an enhanced ID or license, then that should have a U.S. flag, I think, on the bottom right corner. Yep. So you'll have that, and, and that's fine as well. But again, you, know, you want to do this. And so and an interesting article that I read as they've been talking about this more is... Um, this was on the New York Times, and I actually, I'm looking at it right now. They said that only 42% of Americans hold passports. And then some 99 million Americans do not have real ID compliant identification, according to the U.S. Travel Association. And this was an article on October 2nd. And we're less than a year away. And there are so many people who don't have this. And when I was at the DMV, a lot of people don't understand what they need to bring to get these real IDs. So one thing that's really good about the New York State DMV site is that they walk you through it. There's actually this whole checklist that asks you, you know, are you renewing or are you replacing? Like, what sort of document are you looking for? And it takes you step by step so that at the very end, you can print out the checklist. And so you should definitely do that, you know, whichever state you're in. See if your local motor vehicle agency has that. Go through the checklist, print out the checklist, put together all your documents before you go to your motor Motor vehicle and you can fill out the form, too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and you have to fill out the form, and you have to do the vision test, you know, all that stuff. But it was interesting that, you know, going to the DMV, you know, it's just seeing a lot of people going there, and then they're not prepared. They yeah. didn't have their documents with them, and so they get online. And, look, I, you know, in, in New York, and I don't know, again, how other states work, we have something, uh, we have a number of DMV offices, but we have one called License Express. So you think License Express, oh, in and out. I have never had a express experience necessarily. The very first time I went there, it took me like three hours there. And my most recent experience was like two hours there. 
So it's not really express express, but it's still faster than like the full service ones where you can do everything else. But what was, again, what's interesting is that there are a lot of people who go there and they're not prepared because they go there and look like the forms, for example, you can get them online, you can print them out yourselves. I know that there's a lot, you know, different philosophies of, oh, I shouldn't have to print this out myself. I can just go to DMV and they should have the paper for me. I get that. All right. But then the other thing is that some people get called up, you know, sooner than others based on the, the ticket number you get and their forms aren't even filled out yet. So they're not prepared. So that, that causes a delay. But then the other th major thing is just you have to have your documents with you. So I went with everything prepared. So I filled out my form. You know, I downloaded the form from, you know, from the website, printed it out, filled it out, got all my documents that were necessary in the checklist. And I just went there knowing that I want to be prepared. I want to make it as quick and smooth as possible. But there are a lot of people who are there and it's like, okay, they don't have the form filled out yet. And they don't have their documents. So they may have had a passport with them and their license with them, but they didn't bring their social security card. So they weren't able to get their real ID or they, they were missing a utility bill. There was one gentleman who didn't realize that he needed to have his uh, a utility bill. And then he says, well, can I use it on my phone? It's like, no, you have to have it printed out. They need the physical copy. So you, you need to go when you go to your motor vehicle agency, even way back when, before they had real ID, you needed to have all your documents with you and be prepared. So I think it's now really the bottom line is that if you haven't heard about real ID, hopefully you have now heard about real ID. And you know that, look, if you travel domestically and you need to get your license or your ID updated so that for 2020, for after October 1st, 2020, so you're ready to travel domestically, be sure to plan ahead get it done early. That's one of the reasons that I went, you know, I didn't have to renew for like another year or so, but I went earlier because, you know, I do travel. And when I travel domestically, I want to, you know, just have and use my license rather than have to have other documents. And so it just seemed better to, to do it earlier than later. So that, that's my advice. So just, just go in and get that taken care of. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I think that actually covered it. But again, like David said, if you haven't heard of it, you've heard of it now. <laughs> Go do it um, and just get it done quickly. Be overprepared. Um, it's much better to get everything there. And it is a smoother process when you know what you're doing. Yeah. And I guess one thing to add on that, just note when they call you up that first time, you're not done yet. <laughs> you have to sit back down to get to the next teller to do the next step. And then you sit back down and you got to wait for your number to be called again. So it's at least three times that you're going to be sitting back down. Everything's not done. As soon as they call your number, don't get, don't get excited. <laughs> the first time it's just to get one piece, then the second piece, and the third piece. And yeah, finally, my, when you pay, you're done. Yeah, mine was a little better because you get the ticket at the door, and then you go take your photo, and then you wait right. until they call your number. And once right. you call your number, then you go up to the counter, and that's the entire process. But right. even then, it, it took, I think, staying at the counter something like 15 to 20 minutes yep. per person because it's much more complicated when they go through all your yeah. documents. And all yeah, I think, I think it also varies um, where you're at. Manhattan versus Queens. I did mm -hmm. it in Queens, so... There are inconsistent processes even right. within New York City. So just be prepared. Keep in mind. Uh, it could be a mix of different things, but we at least given you the experience of Manhattan. <laughs> and I'm giving you the experience of Queens. So you know that. All right. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Again, you can find us on limbpodcast.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music. So thank you, and we will talk thank to you, you next time. Yeah, Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>